Mel. And Kel. And this is It's Called Culture. Ever heard of it? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. Welcome back. Melissa is healthy, <laughs> we think. I mean, I'm drinking a tea. We'll see how long my voice lasts through this episode, but I think I should be good. Hope so. Guys, thank you for understanding about the missed episode. Melissa really needed the time. The flu just invaded her whole household. Yes. And not only could I not edit the episode that we had already recorded, but then I couldn't record a new one because I literally lost my voice. But I did try the carrot thing. Oh, yes. You made a shut up, right? <laughs> Kelly reached out to our listeners while I was sick to see if they had any like tips or tricks for remedies, I guess, for coughing or or your voice or sore throat or flu, whatever. And people gave a lot of good ideas. A lot yeah. of them involved alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Always the cure-all. <laughs> but... There was a carrot one that intrigued me. A bunch of people said it and they said carrots, carrots and sugar. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, couldn't really wrap my mind around. I was like, what do you mean carrots and sugar? Like, <laughs> Do I eat the carrots? Do I cook the carrots? Like, I couldn't understand what was happening. So I asked some people for clarification and they told me, no, just cut up raw carrots and you just put sugar on them. And you let it sit and it just turns into like cough syrup. (laughs) And it did. I'd say within 10 minutes, I started to see the syrup changing over. And then, I don't know, half an hour to an hour later, it was like fully liquidy syrup in there. And then I let it, I took some at that point because I was like desperate. And then I let it, I let it sit out on the counter overnight. And then the next morning, my the carrots were like all like shriveled up. How did it taste? I used brown sugar Mm -hmm. and it just kind of tasted like brown sugar with a hint of carrots. Like (laughs) like, it was fine. Like it was sweet. Yeah. Then you had like a hint of raw sonuta in there. Yeah. All right. But but it was totally, I mean, it was no worse than taking a real cough syrup taste. Did your um, husband try it too, or just was it? Was it he, just you? He did, and he was cracking up because I would come over and I would just be like, "Okay, it's time for a spoonful," <laughs> and I'd give him a spoon, and then I'm like, "Oh, one more," and he's like, "Is that like the official dosing? Like, what's <laughs> like, the dose on this?" I was like, "I don't know. You just keep drinking it until you feel just better." Just sugar and carrot, so you're not gonna like OD. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's just sugar. So I remember looking into the bowl of carrots the next morning and they were like all shriveled up or whatever. And I was like, there is no way that the Portuguese old ladies were just wasting these carrots. Like oh, yeah, after the, after they were done with that, like, yeah, they probably cooked that up for supper. Like they-, <laughs> they probably made. Yeah, they had to make something like carrot cake, something. <laughs> Yeah, there was no way they were just going to throw those carrots out after that. No, absolutely not. Oh, and I did mention it to my parents if they ever heard of it. Because I always like to ask them, like, hey, did you guys hear about this? Or did you guys grow up doing this? 
my mom did remember that, like doing that as a kid. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I I mean, placebo maybe, but like I thought it was helping. Right. Hey, you got a voice now. <laughs> I do. Thanks to my carrot sidopa. <laughs> I thought I had to cook the carrots. I did too. I did too. Yeah. And he said it was just raw, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I had those ingredients. Like I had like a giant carrot in my fridge <laughs> just waiting. So I was like, this is the one. This is the one I'm going to do. Awesome. So I'm glad you're feeling better. I'm glad the family's feeling better. Yes. Our episode today will be kind of New Year, New Year's celebration related. And what I want to talk about first is the fact that do we know what we're really celebrating on New Year's Day, January 1st, (laughs) a holy day of obligation, and it is the feast of the circumcision of Christ. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you know that that's what January 1st was? I can't say I did. (laughs) nope (laughs) i don't think i was taught in school about jesus's circumcision (laughs) (laughs) new year new me leave that foreskin in the old year leave that in the past oh man and so obviously i just took that and ran with it and i'm gonna tell you guys all about it (laughs) You're into the foreskin of Jesus, because remember? This is not <laughs> the, the first time that it's come up. Yes. This is not the first time. Should I be worried about you? <laughs> I don't go looking for the foreskin of Jesus, but the foreskin of Jesus finds me. <laughs> I'll be researching something totally unrelated. I was looking up New Year's stuff, and then I just stumbled upon the foreskin of Jesus. <laughs> Does your husband go on your laptop and see your searches? <laughs> my, my searches are not great. Okay. <laughs> your FBI agent that's tracking you is like, what is this girl looking up? So the Feast of the Circumcision of Christ, it's a Christian celebration of the circumcision of Jesus in accordance with Jewish tradition, eight days after his birth, which is, I guess, how it's traditionally done it's supposed to be eight days after you're born i guess although i don't know because i feel like if a baby gets it done now like they just do it in the hospital before they send you home right i thought so i don't think they go back in to go get circumcised i think it's like one-stop shopping i would think so because they're just right you know they're they slide right out they do it's not but i guess the jewish tradition is supposed to be eight days after birth so I guess that's what puts us from Christmas to January 1st as the feast of this foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> it's also apparently when Jesus was formally given his name. So I guess, I don't know if that's part of the Jewish tradition where you're supposed to give the baby the name at the circumcision ceremony, I guess. Do you think Mary just didn't have a name yet? Well, no, like, I think the angel Gabriel, didn't she give Mary the name? Like, I don't think Mary had a say in it. Uh, She didn't have a say in getting pregnant either. (laughs) No, but like, I don't think she had a say in naming the baby either. I don't think she got to like go through the baby name book and pick out a name. Look up the name and see the meaning of it. (laughs) No, I don't think I don't think she got to do that. Oh, 
But this apparently was when he was formally given his name. Okay. It's on the birth certificate eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> the thought of Jesus having a birth certificate is pretty hysterical. Okay. So this his circumcision is traditionally seen as the first time that the blood of Christ was shed. And thus the beginning of the process of the redemption of man and a demonstration that Christ was fully human. Wonderful. Again, for Catholics, it's a holy day of obligation, although they've rebranded it. They've rebranded it. So like it's not now today widespread known as the Feast of Circumcision of Christ. It's the Solemnity of Mary Day, which I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Mary has too many days already. Yeah. But they've rebranded it. Okay, yeah, because they can't tell kids you have to to stay off from school because Jesus got circumcised. Right. It's it's (laughs) somewhere along the line, someone was like the the PR person for the Catholic (laughs) Church was like, maybe we should rebrand. And so they did. (laughs) The circumcision was depicted in art a lot. Of course it was. Of course. Every painter in the history of painters painted this scene of Jesus being circumcised. And I don't know what it is about Renaissance paintings or historical paintings, but they did not know how to paint babies. (laughs) They just they don't. And and I'm like, have you ever seen a baby? Obviously not, because you wouldn't paint it this way if you ever saw a baby. And this one, this circumcision, like, you know, the exact age that that baby is supposed to be. That's supposed to be an eight day old baby. All right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they got they got his little his little penises <laughs> out and they have like like a priest with a knife at his penis, like in this painting. <laughs> that baby is supposed to be eight days old in the depiction. I looked through them. The youngest one looks like it's two years old. Minimum, minimum two-year-old child. The baby is like chunky. It's sitting up. It's supporting its own head. It's alert. Like, <laughs> like supporting its own head. <laughs> it has a job. <laughs> it's like, it has a 401k. <laughs> seriously. Like these babies are not eight days old in these right. paintings. And then some of them, again, they start to like in the face, they look like kind of like grown men. There was like chest hair on one of these babies, <laughs> like a chest hair with like a six pack. Do you think they just matured <laughs> back then so much quicker? Oh my God. Than they do now? I mean, yeah, probably. Cause like, what was their life expectancy? Like 20 years old. So like, by eight days, that's like a good portion of your life. Exactly. And and I don't know how accurate any of their depictions were either, because at the period of Jesus's birth, the Jewish practice was for the operation to be performed in the home by the father. So like Joseph would have been the one that had to do it. And in all the like depictions, it's like this big elaborate thing, like in a temple with a priest and everything. And it's like, they're saying like that's not how it really would have happened, but that's how people liked to paint it. So you're telling me you basically don't need any medical knowledge to cut up a penis. You just got to be a father. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, you probably just look down at your own <laughs> and then you, you slice off your kids. I can't even fathom it. Honestly, I can't. No. I can't even fathom it. But if anybody is listening to this and they are like, you know what? I really would like to know more. <laughs> there is an influential book by an author named Leo Steinberg. It is called The Sexuality of Christ in Renaissance Art and in Modern Oblivion, 1983. Second edition came out in 1996. It explores the explicit depiction of Christ's penis in art. That's beautiful. <laughs> Kelly's writing this down so she can go to the library and see if they have a copy. <laughs> Excuse me, do you have the art of Jesus in circumcision here? <laughs> do you have that book? I would like to explore Christ's penis in art. <laughs> like, so ridiculous. I can't, I can't believe that that's a thing in art to begin with. I can't believe that that's a book that they wrote about it. And I can't believe here we are on this podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. So what happened to his foreskin once they cut it off oh great question i'd love to tell you <laughs> it's like the saints with their relics and the holy body parts right you know oh, no. what we love to oh, do with no. the holy body parts so it's a relic the foreskin of christ is the relic of christ of course it is this this got weird when i started to try to look at where it's held because nobody knows like i mean so many people have claimed to have the foreskin relic like there would be like 18 different locations claiming that they had it at the same time it was like what yeah like, that's like not, impossible he had 18 <laughs> foreskins foreskins like i don't i don't know so so there's a lot of just uncertainty like the fact that somebody thinks that that foreskin was even saved to begin with, but then that you just kept it for hundreds of thousands of years or whatever. And like now you claim to still have it. How do you even like preserve that? I'm thinking of like, you know how like moms now, don't they like save their, I might be getting this wrong because I am not a mother, but don't they like save their like, placenta and like freeze it oh people save like the umbilical cord or the i'm sure they save the placenta or they they make like they grind up the placenta and they put it into pills and they eat it yes yes okay that yes that is a thing so like is that what they did with jesus's foreskin it's like in someone's freezer (laughs) in a ziploc bag but they didn't even have freezers back then so like (laughs) They just like salted it and put it in like a little urn, like a bacalia. Oh, God. I just, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand the preservation of it, first of all. And then like you start reading through and there's all these people who like claim to have, oh, the emperor of so-and-so was gifted it. Like somebody gave it to him as a gift. Like what? I'm just saying this right now. I would be fucking pissed if someone gifted me a foreskin. <laughs> like, who wants that? What are you supposed to do with it? And what, like, why would you want that? 
it's it's just the oddest thing to me. I would question that person. Like I'd be like, I don't think I could be friends with you if you just gave me a foreskin. Right, but it was yeah. like it was the holy <laughs> foreskin, the holy prepuce. Uh, <laughs> is there a certificate of authenticity? I can't say that word. Authenticity. Authenticity. No. <laughs> Oh my god, it's like a Cabbage Patch doll, like when you buy a Cabbage oh. Patch kid and it comes with its like little like certificate and like the birth and the name and everything. Exactly, like, I would be asking for that. It's so many churches have claimed that they've had the foreskin at the same time. Apparently, it has m- miraculous powers. So I don't know, it's got healing powers if you go and so people go and make like a pilgrimage to the foreskin even though it's not even the real foreskin. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Oh, my God. I read this thing, and it says that um, the best known foreskin (laughs) (laughs) was in the Lateran Basilica in Rome, whose authenticity was confirmed by a vision of St. Bridget of Sweden. That's the bar, folks. The bar is on the ground. <laughs> the authenticity was confirmed by a vision. So that's all you need. So somebody just like came forward and said, I had a vision that this this one was authentic. So I didn't go and click on the sand, read her whole story. But I think I saw somewhere that her vision was just like, it's in Rome somewhere. Like it wasn't like specifically like, oh, it's at this basilica or whatever, like the authenticity was just like, I had a vision that the foreskin was in Rome. And then they were like, seems legit. And just like (laughs) marked it down as like, this is the one. The saint had a vision about it. Like, what? My God, it's so easy to like get anything past the Catholic church. Dude, you could just go out, just saying anything. And they'll 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 be like, oh my God, she's a saint. (laughs) It's wild right like how low the bar was for credibility and authenticity and yeah it it didn't take much it doesn't take much for the catholic church i guess the term that they use is prepuce so it has two definitions prepuce noun one technical term for foreskin two the fold of skin surrounding the clitoris prepuce i'm so uncomfortable right now (laughs) (laughs) So most of the holy prepuces were lost or destroyed during the Reformation and the French Revolution. The prepuce of Calcutta is noteworthy as the reliquary containing the holy foreskin was paraded through the streets of this Italian village as recently as 1983. Oh my God, sweet. Usually you're telling me a few years before we were born. 1983, they were parading this through the streets. In Italy. You can't make this shit up. You absolutely cannot. (laughs) So the practice ended, however, when thieves stole the jewel-encrusted case, contents and all. Wait, so this foreskin was in a jewel-encrusted case? Yes. Like a little, like, jewelry box. (laughs) That's beautiful. (laughs) Following this theft... It is unclear whether any purported holy prepuces still exist. I'm going to go ahead and say no. 
This is 1983. Yeah. They were still parading around piece of a dick. And I'm sorry, it's not Jesus' dick anymore at that point. No. No, it's not. It's It's just so ridiculous. (laughs) From somebody next door. (laughs) So other philosophers. So then they they're they're starting to get into it with each other because other philosophers contended that with the ascension of Jesus, all of his body parts, even those no longer attached, ascended as well. So Jesus is ascending into heaven and his foreskin is separately ascending. He gets beamed up right after him. You're just riding down the road on your donkey and a foreskin just starts <laughs> making its way up into the sky. Oh my God, what was that? Is that a UFO? Is it an alien? No, I think it's a foreskin. The holy prey poose. I fucking can't. Oh, oh, it gets better. I don't know how. <laughs> so these are all the, the theories, okay? One philosopher... Okay. Leo Alacius reportedly went so far as to contend, I can't even get out to get this out of my mouth without cracking up. He went so far as to contend that the foreskin became the rings of Saturn. No, no, this reference is unverifiable. <laughs> What, someone didn't have a vision of it? (laughs) So they can't verify it? The rings of Saturn. No. I'm sorry, it's not. Uh, Can you ever look at a solar system the same way again? First Pluto, now the rings of Saturn? (laughs) What are they doing to the solar system? Oh, yeah. So people got it as, like, this emperor got it as a wedding gift, supposedly. What are you supposed to do with a foreskin? Do you think he registered for a foreskin on his registry? Dance <laughs> it at the store. Beep. We're going to get two foreskins, you know, one for the upstairs and one for the downstairs. <laughs> and it's like not sanitary. This is why COVID happens. <laughs> if you get gifted the foreskin, do you, are you taking it out of the jewelry box or are you just, does it just, you never open the box? I think I would never open the box and just keep it displayed. I'm not touching it. If someone wants to gift it to me, I can't return it. It's foreskin. I'm pretty sure there isn't a refund policy on the foreskin. All I can picture is like, you know, when you're in grade school and the teachers do like a show and tell type of thing and they have like an item and they pass it around the room and everybody has to just like look at it and like you pass it to the next person and you never know like how long you're supposed to look at it or like okay, yeah, it's just a rock or whatever. You know? Yeah, like yeah. He, you're always just trying to look like impressed. Like he's just like passing the foreskin around. Like he's, <laughs> he has like a party. And people are just like, oh, okay. I feel like it, it needs to be like on ice or something though. To be preserved. Right. Like if you like cut off a finger or something, like you got to put yeah. it on ice so they can reattach it. Oh, some one priest apparently had it again as a gift again there were so many of these fucking foreskins <laughs> floating around so this other guy got it as a gift a gift from king baldwin the first of jerusalem who purchased it in the holy land during the first crusade and it became famous this particular foreskin became famous when the bishop of cambrai during celebration of mass saw three drops of blood blotting the linens of the altar so basically you said that the foreskin was like bleeding 
Yeah, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> Eleven hundred years later. <laughs> that doesn't sound great. No. Then it was like this whole, oh my God, the blood of Christ, and like they made right. a special chapel was constructed and because it was a miraculous relic and pilgrimages were made there. I love that all of these things are like, oh my God, miraculous, all this stuff. No one's like freaked out by any of this. Like you're not seeing blood coming dripping down and not like freaked out. It's just like, oh my God, this is amazing. Let's build a freaking fort for it and protect it. Right. Did a murder occur here yesterday? <laughs> like those are the questions I need to be asked. Not is the foreskin miraculously bleeding? Yeah, I don't understand. Everything's just like a miracle. No, I'm not okay with it. Oh, and then it just keeps going on and on. It's like, so this other pope was asked to rule on the authenticity of yet another foreskin. The pope declined the opportunity. At some point, however, the relic went missing and remained lost until 1856 when a workman claimed to have found a reliquary hidden inside a wall containing the missing foreskin. So we found it in the wall. As one does when they're like fixing something, find random shit in walls, which I'm sure that does happen in old houses, but I highly doubt it's a foreskin. In 1997, they made a documentary, a television documentary for Channel 4. It was a British journalist traveling to Italy in search of the holy foreskin. <laughs> he was unable to find any remaining example. Yeah, I bet. Exactly. <laughs> gonna save you the trip <laughs> and then in 2013 national geographic channel broadcast a documentary called the quest for the holy foreskin <laughs> so if anybody is interested in either of those documentaries again one as <laughs> recent as 2013 the quest for the holy foreskin what streaming service is that on <laughs> you think netflix is picking that up <laughs> are they on board on trying to find the foreskin as well i am going to look it up and let you know (laughs) i will let the listeners know you got to give them what they want okay (laughs) i don't know if they want to watch a documentary on foreskin (laughs) so that's all i've got but i just want to say you're welcome because you will never look at January 1st and New Year's the same again. No, not at all. The whole new I'm going to look at New Year's and Saturn in a whole different light. <laughs> <laughs> you just fucked that up for me. <laughs> so on that note, do you have some lighthearted things for us to learn about New Year practices? I went in a whole different direction. <laughs> you know, not so much foreskin, more like food and different traditions that other cultures do. She went in a normal direction. Normal direction. Got this article on a, uh, I think, a housekeeping, good housekeeping. Great. It had a lot of different things. I picked out the ones that I kind of found interesting. So I'm going to start off with food first. But New Year's like food tradition. If you eat a and I'll explain what this is, a Hoppin' John dish on January 1st, you'll experience luck and peace for the rest of the year. Hoppin' John is a meal with collard greens, pork, peas, and rice. The collard greens resemble paper money, and the peas represent corn. The peas, I'm sorry, the peas represent corn? Why not just put corn? Coins. Oh. 
Did I say cord? The collard greens re- resemble paper money. The peas represent coins. Some families place a penny underneath the dish or add extra pork. It's brought, it's thought to bring like more good luck if you give it extra some extra cash in there. So the Hop and John is they say it's an old man. He became known for selling peas and rice on the streets of Charleston. Others say slave children hopped around the table, eager to eat the dish. Oh. Many other cultures believe that eating round foods on New Year's Eve will lead to prosperity. In Italy, lentils serve the same function as the black eyed peas in the Hop and John meal that we just said, with their round shape representing coins. In the Philippines, if you eat 12 round fruits, one for every month, this will ensure a year of abundance. Fish is considered another New Year's meal. Fish swim in one direction, so they say you eat fish on New Year's, you're just going forward because fish swim forward. They don't look back, so we shouldn't look back either. We just them for friends. Who's <laughs> <laughs> fish? Mm-hmm. What if it's like a fish that you got from the fashta and you put it in a bowl in your house and the thing is just going in circles? Like Semper France, but <laughs> Semtrodo Hidrodo. <laughs> yeah, if you get one of those and they're not kind of going forward, maybe it's a bad sign on your end. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going, yeah, I think you like fish in the ocean, but the fish in. In a bowl, they're just going around. Yeah, you're just gonna be stuck in a rut. You gotta <laughs> oh, flush those bad boys. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, eating 12 grapes is another belief. If you eat one at each stroke of midnight to represent each month of the new year, eating one grape at each 12 o'clock chimes guarantees a lucky year, which I didn't know that there was chimes. I feel like because we just hear fireworks. Oh, so maybe the grand- they got a grandfather clock. Maybe. <laughs> so if you fail to finish your grades, by the time the clock stops chiming, you'll face bad luck in the new year. So you have to huff these grapes down. The biggest choking hazard. Like, <laughs> when you have a baby, that's like the number one choking hazard. Is Everyone is afraid of grapes and you have to like chop up the grapes because they're like the perfect size for your airway to get stuck in there. And you have to do it or if not, you get bad luck. The bad luck is going to come before the end of the year. It's going to come when you choke on the grapes. <laughs> exactly. With Greeks, onions are a big symbol of good luck and fertility. So if you are trying to get pregnant, want onions around. I've seen so much about onions recently on TikTok because... Oh, really? People use it for like home remedy type situation where people like if you were sick, they would like literally just cut up onions and just like leave onions around the room. The onion is supposed to like suck up all the like sickness out of you or whatever, all the toxins, the toxins out of the air or out of your fucking breath. I don't know. But the onions would like turn like black and then you're supposed to feel better because the onions like absorb all the toxins or something. I don't know. A lot of people were doing it. Damn, you should have tried it. It's even worse. Your husband would be like, dude, Carrots, the onions, what's going on here? Well, so the people who swear by it, they're like, it's rank. Like, your room just reeks of fucking onions. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't prioritize the onion. That was like a last-ditch effort if needed, but... 
Yeah, I don't blame you. People were putting like potatoes. They do it with potatoes too. They were like cutting, slicing up potatoes and putting them in their socks at night and like on their feet. Oh, I heard something about that with socks. Take toxins out of your yeah. feet or something. I don't condone any of, any of these <laughs> methods. I'm just relaying what I've seen. You are really sick. You should probably go to a medical doctor. <laughs> yeah, don't feel like my podcast told me to put onions in my socks or potatoes in my socks. We don't have medical degrees, so don't listen to us, please. Families in Greece on New Year's Eve would hang bundles of onions above their doors as a means of inviting prosperity into the home. On New Year's Day, parents also wake up their children with hitting them with the onions <laughs> that were outside. That was just a fun tidbit I added. It doesn't say why. The Greeks? Yep. <laughs> they would bonk their kids in the head with onions. The onions that they have hanging outside. Dude. Are you gonna, are you gonna wake them up? I don't know. <laughs> These better be like baby onions or something because <laughs> the onions I've been getting from the grocery store. Are you huge? Those kids would be passed out. <laughs> They'd be concussed. They would be concussed with the onions I've been getting. I've been getting these onions that are like a basketball. Like, they're huge. <laughs> you know, maybe the kids deserve it. Who knows? <laughs> I know it's Greek, but it just reminds me of, like, Portuguese people where you just, like, some parent just wanted to bonk their kid off the side of the head with a freaking onion. And then they're just like, oh, it's a sign of good luck for the new year. <laughs> Like, they just make up some shit after the fact to justify the fact that you just whacked your kid with a sack of onions. They needed a reason. They can't look like an, they can't look like an abusive parent. <laughs> so, so the Irish, they bang Christmas bread on the walls of their homes. It's supposed to chase off bad spirit out of the house, start the new year fresh. They bang bread on the wall? Yep. The Portuguese <laughs> phrase, like, punkadidia. Yeah. Do you think it's like, oh, could it <laughs> just beat him with the bread? In Greece, they eat cake or sweet bread that has a coin baked into it. Whoever finds the coin will have to go up the next year. Well, that's like what we just talked about for the king cake stuff, right? Yeah, that's why I wanted to add that in because I was like, that's similar to our king cake. In Scandinavian countries, they do something similar, but with white rice pudding. They'll bake one section with a peeled almond in it and whoever finds it in their bowl will have good luck in the new year so you get half of an almond in japan it's traditional to eat a dish with long buckwheat noodles that are served hot or cold the noodles symbolize longevity and the buckwheat plant represents resilience that's cute i like a good ramen noodle so in turkey Pomegranates are a symbol of abundance. If you want a good year, you should smash the fruit on your doorstep. What a waste. <laughs> I know the Portuguese wouldn't like this. No, that's so wasteful. The more pieces there are and farther they spread, the more prosperous you'll be. For a little extra luck, sprinkle some salt in front of your door to bring peace. It seems like it would look like a crime scene. <laughs> if you're just out there smashing pomegranate and looking for like the blood splatter pattern. <laughs> right? And so this one was interesting. In Russia, that their champagne gets a little something extra added to it. I'm sure it does. <laughs> it's not me. What you think? People write a wish down on a piece of paper, burn it, and add the ashes to the drink. What? 
that's not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> no. So that was what I kind of had for food and drinks. Another quick section I had was kind of like on clothes. In Brazil, everyone wears white on New Year's Eve for good luck and peace. They're out there wearing white. Bronk. After Labor Day? <laughs> if you want good luck and peace, you're wearing white. <laughs> Forget the Labor Day rule. What a faux pas. Also in Brazil, this is not a clothes thing, but I just joined it together. In Brazil, if you head to the beach, you can increase your luck by heading to the water and jumping over seven waves. You get what one wish for each wave. I like that one. Probably not freaking cold, I assume. I'm just assuming here. Then in the Philippines, if you wear polka dots, it increases the chances of good luck in the new year. This is a funny one. Certain countries, especially in Latin America, believe that the color of your underwear can bring good things to you in the next 12 months. Yellow is for luck, red is for love, and white undies bring peace. Red undies are for period days. <laughs> yep. Did you wear red undies for love this New Year's? Unfortunately, I didn't because I didn't have my period for New Year's and I only <laughs> see my red ones for, for my for my period. <laughs> so no, sorry. I didn't get love. I didn't get love. Uh, no love. No love. This was just random. No like food or anything. Just kind of ones that I thought were interesting. In Denmark, people go around breaking dishware on this doorstep of their friends and family. The more pieces there is in front of your home the next day, the luckier and more well-liked you are. And also in Denmark, people stand on their chairs and leap into January at midnight to bring good luck and banish bad spirits. A lot of banishing of spirits. If people were coming by and just breaking dinnerware on my front steps... <laughs> the Portuguese would not be okay with this. So wasteful. Yeah. We, we, don't, we don't do this. We wouldn't do any of this. <laughs> Can't waste food, can't break stuff like yeah, no. It's the more you do it too, if there's like more pieces, it's the luckier you're gonna be. Right. So you're not just sitting there just like breaking it into two pieces. Like it's it's like shattered. <laughs> I'd be calling up my friend and being like, You're gonna come clean this up. Bring the basura. It's oh, <laughs> so this one was cute. So for all you people that are trying to find your future mate, the Irish believe that if you put a mistletoe under your pillow on December 31st, you'll dream of your future partner. Don't ask me if I did this because I did not. <laughs> and this one I liked, obviously, because animals, but farmers in Belgium wake up really early on January 1st to wish a happy new year to all the cows, horses, pigs, chickens, and other farm animals. That way, they'll have a good farming year. But that was sweet. I like that one. I like that one. Don't they? Like, aren't they up anyway? Tending to the animals? <laughs> yeah. Like, isn't that their job? <laughs> exactly. In Colombia, people take empty suitcases and run around the block as fast as they can. It's with a guarantee a year filled with travel. Another good one. That's cute. I'm like, are you just taking like a light carry on though, or are you bringing your big, <laughs> big suitcase? You want like the big mala with the wheels, yeah. So in Puerto Rico, they believe that dumping a bucket of water out the window <laughs> drives away evil spirits. 
Puerto Ricans also sprinkle sugar outside their houses to invite the good luck in. And my last one, I have not participated. I've been to it. I've gone to this. I always say I'm going to do it 1 a.m., but I don't want to wake up to do it. Since the early 1900s, it's been a tradition to start off January 1st by swimming in freezing cold water, the ritual known as the polar bear plunge. And most participants use this as an opportunity to raise money for a local nonprofit. You will not catch me plunging. So when I worked at a group home, this was one of our activities to do. So we took our residents to go see the people doing the polo plunge. And I thought it was so cool because there's so many people on the beach. And there were so many people lining up to like go into the water. And I was just like, oh my God, this is so much fun. I want to do this. And I've always said one year I'm going to do it. <laughs> Nunca. No, especially around here. Like that one is freezing by the time January hits. I'm going to do the manatee plunge in the warm waters of Florida. I like that one better. I can't even go in the ocean in our area in the summer. I know. The water's ice cold all year round. When we went away in July and that water was so freaking cold. Right. Like your body was numb and it was mid-July. You're like, why isn't this water like a lot warmer? January 1st, you're not going to catch me out there in the freaking water. There are no Portuguese people participating in that. I'm sorry. Because (laughs) they would hear it from their avo after the fact. Exactly. My Portuguese mind is like, I would do this and then I would be sick the whole week and my parents would be yelling at me for doing this in the first place. No shit. <laughs> yeah. My father would be like, benefits, you want to go swim in cold water and now you're, now you're sick. They would never let you live that down. No, never. You'd be like, this idiot went swimming in cold water. So the last thing, topic that we're going to talk about before we get into our mental health segment is I'm just going to get up on my soapbox about fireworks because that's a traditional New Year's Eve or New Year's thing that we Mm -hmm. do, right? Kind of all around the world. People do fireworks for New Year's, right? I don't know why we are doing that because it is very much bad for for the environment it's bad for the workers in the factories it's bad for everyone dogs hate them right right exactly traumatizing animals and wildlife the birds the whatever other animals that are out there like i traumatized my dog this summer with fourth of july fireworks oh so he's not a he's not a firework my dog doesn't it doesn't face my dog but yours isn't into it (sighs) this was my own fault but we were at we were at a lake house. I said, oh, I think he's going to be really scared if I leave him alone in the lake house while these fireworks go off. So I'm going to take him with me. And we went down to the dock and watched the fireworks from the boat. Mm-hmm. The fireworks were going off like two houses down. Oh, Somebody yeah. put on this over the top fireworks display. And so the fireworks were literally going up and like exploding like on top of us like they were. It was very close and it was very loud and it, the fireworks looked like they were coming at you because it was so yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was two houses away and we were just sitting in the on the dock in the boat. And I brought my dog in the boat with me and I was ho- holding him and he was fighting me. He was trying to bolt out of that boat so fast. Like he oh, just wanted dang. to sprint away. 
I had right. to so I had to literally like bear hug him and restrain him in the boat because he was ready to just jump out into the water. I would have never saw him again because he was just so terrified. And he's obviously like he's hearing these loud noises and he's like, why aren't the rest of you freaking out like this? This fire is coming <laughs> at us from the sky. Like and he's not wrong. And his defense, too, he's listening to it so much up close. Like, at least, like, if you're home, like, you know, during 4th of July, if I'm kind of like, I don't really go see the fireworks, I'm like home, you can kind of hear him in the background, but it's not as bad. You were, like, up in front and center yeah. of the fireworks. So in yeah. his defense, I don't blame him. Yeah, I fucked up. I fucked up yeah. <laughs> by taking him to that. So, but yeah, so animals hate them. I mean, it's just, it's bad for the environment and, the, you know, air quality and water quality because you're just dumping them into the water most of the time, yeah. right? And it's like, we're doing this for funsies, like just for the aesthetic and the entertainment value of just watching fireworks. What are we getting from this? This is really stupid. They're just doing it so people can record it and post it on social media. Another set of fireworks. <laughs> right. But exactly that. So like nobody wants to watch a fucking video exactly. of fireworks. Yeah. People like to enjoy fireworks like in person, I think. But like then everyone wants to take a picture or a video. It's like the least the <laughs> least thing I would want to see a picture or a video of is a fucking firework. You see one set of fireworks in a video. You've seen them all. <laughs> Right, exactly. They're all the same. They have yeah. like five patterns. <laughs> like there's like heavy metals like to use to make all the different colors in the fireworks. Like and it emits like all this like carbon dioxide and greenhouse gas, which are like depleting the ozone. And what are we doing with them? We're shooting them right up into the sky. So I went to go try to like Google a little bit of this and people would compare like they'd be like oh well fireworks yeah like they're bad for the environment but like comparatively like it's nothing compared to like burning fossil fuels and it's like okay but like we're burning fossil fuels for like a purpose right like most mm -hmm. of the time it's you know you're creating energy or something like that like you're making electricity you're doing it for a reason versus doing all this with fireworks for fucking funsies for funsies pure entertainment only then I went down the rabbit hole of fireworks and I started looking at like when they made them there. There's like the self-propelled type of firework was first used in warfare. So it's so wonderful that we now just blow them up into the sky for fun. It was originally invented in China during the Han Dynasty in like 200 BC. People threw bamboo stems into a fire to produce an explosion with a loud sound. Later, it developed into using gunpowder and wrapping it in the tubes mm -hmm. with a fuse or whatever. It's like they had nothing better to do. So like they would they would put together this like large fireworks display to entertain the emperor. Hey, want to get together and just like blow shit up for the emperor? Sure. Great. And oh, then, my like, God. And then they started adding chemicals to create the color and the fire and then China remains the largest manufacturer and exporter of fireworks in the world. Oh, dang. The most fucked up thing is that China at some point started like banning them. So they'll like manufacture them and export them and be like, oh, all you motherfuckers can do what you want with these. But like we've recognized that they're not good and we're going to ban them in our own land. Like how fucked up is that? We're going to still make them for you guys, but. Yeah, if you want to burn down your land, that's fine. That's fine, yeah. 
it kind of it reminds me of like the, the whole TikTok thing. So like TikTok is like a Chinese app, right? And mm-hmm. because of like censorship in China, like I think there are certain things that they either allow or like the app is different in in China the way okay. that it works. Like even I don't know if there's like age limits where like if you're under a certain age like it's only going to show you like educational content or something like that like, i think so i think like younger kids they're only able to go online for a certain hours hours a day but it's like educational videos but then like outside of china the app doesn't have that same it doesn't work the same way mm-hmm. so like in the u.s you your kid can just fry its brain on that all day long right right and china's fine with that of course <laughs> They don't care about us. They just care about their country. Right. But it's like at some point at some point you need to look at like, okay, well, if they're if they've identified that this is like bad and they're banning it, like we should start looking into that too. Maybe we should stop buying it from them. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe we should just not do fireworks. So apparently it it's been controversial in China because it's fireworks have existed for so long there because they invented them and so they've become part of their culture and they do fireworks for their big spring festival that they have and and whatnot and when they originally tried banning them they said that the festivals like lost their meaning and like it felt like they were like losing their culture because the fireworks are used to expel this monster dragon thing you know what i mean like they use it for a a yeah, purpose yeah, yeah. expel bad spirits or bad dragons i guess i don't know so th- when they prohibited that it became a problem so they've flip-flopped back and forth i think over the years on bans and not banning or loosening up the bans for these festivals specifically and i think it's all like city by city but i think like beijing is on a full ban now i think i read recently like as of like last year that's kind of it's just kind of crazy China, please stop making these. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, because I can get on board on that. They're so dangerous. Yeah. They're explosives, right? So like, mm-hmm. even just like the manufacturing and handling and storing and warehousing of them is dangerous. I just saw a, um, a video. It was like from the news or whatever. And it was a car crashed into a fireworks facility or whatever. And it fucking set off all the fireworks. So the person in the car ended up dying. I don't know what caused them to crash into the facility. Right. Like if they had like a medical emergency or something and then the car went off the road. But it, so it crashed into this building and then it set off all the fucking fireworks. So now well, the, yeah, this person course. is like dying in their car. The first responders can't get to them because the fucking fireworks are all just going off around. Oh, shit. Like, what a way to go out. You're just there dying in your car and there's just like fireworks going off all around you from the facility. So the whole place, like I think like burnt down. I think it was a loss or something, but yeah, they probably and the person died get into it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I don't know. I just wanted to research a little bit about the use of fireworks and it just made me really upset and I needed to go down my on my soapbox <laughs> about fireworks. So I also get annoyed when I see like these ridiculous gender reveal videos on like Instagram. And they're like, can you use fireworks? It's like, first of all, I don't have an opinion on the gender reveal parties. I'm not planning to have any kids. So I'm not into them. But if you like to have a gender reveal, go for it. Do what you gotta do. But like, can't you just like cut a cake? <laughs> oh, they're way out of hand. <laughs> didn't didn't somebody start a whole like forest fire? 
Yeah. Yes. There was like a forest fire. And then there was something else where someone like they got in trouble because they died like the waterfall so like the waterfall ended up being like a different color like a, whatever the pink or the blue and so they like got, they got in trouble for that i'm like this is like these gender reveals like getting ridiculous dude you're right like they are they are over the top like i can't i can't stand them i just don't want to get any hate from our listeners for people that do it but like i i think they're ridiculous too it's like fireworks come on if you're being wasteful and like damaging the environment or people's health or being dangerous, like exactly, yeah, maybe that's not necessary for a gender reveal or for anything. If you're having that as your gender reveal option, maybe you shouldn't be a parent. Mm. <laughs> Let's say it's questionable. It's questionable. The last two things i'll say about fireworks one is that they were starting to make silent fireworks displays become popular due to concerns that noise the noise effects traumatize pets and some humans oh yeah but but still like the noise wasn't really like my biggest concern with them to begin with but right and even that it's not like they didn't just like manufacture some special silent firework they just silent just means that they exclude the super noisy ones yeah and there was like a, some town in Italy that it said switched to quote unquote silent fireworks in 2015. I will leave you with a question. Okay. As my last thing, guess who is the largest consumer of fireworks in the world? I want to say us because we're morons. Not like a country, like just like an entity, like a company. Oh, a company. Acme? <laughs> Isn't that the only <laughs> <laughs> It's like a wily coyote over here. Meet me. The largest consumer of fireworks in the world is the Walt Disney Company. Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> right? They're putting off fucking fireworks every They're night. They're doing it every night. Yeah. And all the yeah. Disney the Disney locations too. So Everywhere, not it's yeah. not just like Orlando, you know? Oh. I was hoping it was going to be Acme, but. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we're going to head into our mental health segment. So I think we're doing a little something different with this mental health segment. We want to do like a New Year's resolution-ish. So I think (laughs) I'm going to try to be more organized and stop procrastinating and put shit away and have like just piles of like clothes or like my mail and I just let it stack I just I need to just go through it and put it away throw it out do whatever it is and just be more organized so that is my resolution and I'm going to try to stick to it we will check in on that to see how you're doing <laughs> as the year goes on. Yeah, we'll see. I, don't, I can't promise anything, but I'm going to try. So mine is going to be, I I don't exercise. I don't do any physical activity whatsoever. Same. And my father-in-law just bought us a Peloton for Christmas, which was very, very nice of him. And it was really like a gift for my husband because he's the one who works out. But mm-hmm. Obviously, like by default, I also now have a Peloton. So I 
am going to try to write it religiously. Like I am I'm going to going to try to do it every day. I was I had just gotten it right before I got the flu. <laughs> Maybe that's why you got the flu. <laughs> They're like, wait, what's going on with our body? What's she doing? What's she doing to us? <laughs> I literally like I had a Peloton ride and I got off of it and I was like, I feel sick. <laughs> I was doing it. I had done it for like the, however many days I had the Peloton mm-hmm. before I got the flu. And then obviously like I couldn't do it while I was sick. I am now back. I'm going to kick off the new year on the Peloton. If anybody that listens to us has a Peloton and you want to give me your username, just send it to me in the DMs. I'll send you mine and then we can... I don't know what you do on the Peloton together with each other's usernames, but you you can track my awful progress on the Peloton. I've only done like a handful of classes so far, mm-hmm. but I'm very, very bad at it. And it, <laughs> it shows you like a leaderboard of like where you rank with other yeah. people who are doing that class at the same time, I guess. And I have come in dead last dead last like if there's seven people i'm seventh if there's a hundred people i'm 100th okay <laughs> in every class that i've done so far and it shows you people's like it has like their username and then their location sometimes mm-hmm. and their age oh no like there'll just be like people in their 70s just like zooming past me in the ranks and i'm like jesus christ like it's so demoralizing don't let that discourage you though you were just starting out. I need to like put my age in there as like a hundred because that's the only <laughs> that's the only way that my my score makes sense. Then like you'll be on the freaking news, the headlines, like a hundred year old on Peloton. <laughs> so the other thing, they have these like little hashtags. I guess I'm still getting used to all of it, but they have these little hashtags that people put under their profile too. And so there's one that's like peloton pregos or something so like not only are 70 year olds passing me but then like the pregnant girls are passing me and i'm like jeez oh man so bad i am debating on with the peloton and i don't know if i want it (laughs) i don't need to see that like i know i'm gonna be bottom rank i'm very bad i can't keep up with their their resistance or their cadence uh, at all not even close I got a shin injury like the first <laughs> 10 minutes of being on the bike, like my foot unclipped. I tried to get up out of the saddle, which means yeah. like like standing up, I guess. I've never done a spin class before pel- having a Peloton. So I tried to get up out of the saddle, which was a mistake because I immediately gave up and the bike kept going and my legs snapped, like my legs snapped out of it. Oh, and the pedal went around and whacked me in the shin and just like carved out a bunch of skin. So that was a lesson learned. That's pretty much why you got the flu. <laughs> it wasn't from your child. <laughs> that is my resolution to just kind of do something consistently. It may not be the best workout every time, but as long as I'm actually getting on the bike with some type of consistency, then I'll be happy with that. That's awesome. I I, I believe in you. I believe in more in your resolution than mine. <laughs> so. Well. This is great. We hope you enjoyed our episode. We will catch you next week. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. So it's about that time. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying our podcast, please just give us a review on whatever platform you're using to listen to us. 
You can also visit our website. It's folkandfad.com. We have transcripts available there of every episode. And you can also send us an email, mail at folkandfad.com. Or you can hit us up on Twitter. Same handle there, folkandfad. And for Instagram, you can follow us at underscore it's called culture.